trainers, it's me, your friendly friend Ryan. Haha, <laughs> I'm in the Pinocchio movie. Haha, <laughs> daddy. So yes, welcome to another episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best because Gotta Watch Them All was taken. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. So what I've decided to experiment doing is um, watching an episode a day and then like going and recording that episode the next day and kind of have this like staggered creation schedule. I'm technically on schedule right now, but I think with this staggering, I can get ahead by the time I reach next episode and then even more past that, as long as I can actually keep this up. There's some flaws with this, like I don't always have time to watch an episode a day or record at the end of the day, but I think this might be the best way to just have a backlog ready and um, to not quickly rush through the work in a day, like watch two episodes while taking notes and then record and then edit all in like the same 10 hour period. It, it just didn't work out well. So if you notice that the vibes and energy and even like how I sound are different each episode, it's because they were recorded on different days and I've had different stuff happen on different days. So I'm in a, a different spot. Hopefully it's similar enough where it's not too big of an issue, but if it is, uh, I'll find out in editing and go back to the way I was doing it before. It's also going to be interesting going back to um, my other work schedule because I'm leaving the 9 to 5 one and going back to my 3 day on 3 day off rotation which sort of lended itself to working on this but at the same time was a detriment to it because I only had 3 days to work on something instead of a couple hours at the end of each night. It's it's just going to be interesting trying to figure this out. I'm still working on it. And I'm still trying to get some friends to join me in on this. I, It's going to happen eventually, I swear. I'll figure it out. I also kind of want to get in contact with and interview people that maybe worked on the show. I'm going to try looking into that. I can't guarantee anything, but that would be cool as heck, wouldn't it? Anyway, outside of a showcase I did last Saturday that I think I mentioned in the previous episode, um, not much has gone on this week. I've mostly just been chipping away at this every night, um, recording gameplay footage for a video I'm working on, and trying to be as productive as I can be, all things considered. it's I'm surprised I haven't burnt out yet. It's going to happen eventually, I think. <laughs> Yay! Don't get me wrong, though. I do enjoy what I'm doing, so don't worry about that. I, I'm having fun doing this. It's just sometimes I get a little stressed trying to meet the arbitrary deadline I've set up for myself. Anyway, enough bad vibes. Let's jump right into today's four episodes. Let's go! Episode 25, Primate Goes Bananas. Synopsis. On the way to Celadon City, Ash's group comes across a wild manky. Unfortunately for the group, Ash angers it and it flies into a violent rage before stealing Ash's prized hat. Things get even worse when Team Rocket involves themselves, causing Mankey to angrily evolve into the destructive and dangerous Primeape. We begin this humble adventure with Professor Oak relaxing with some morning tea, when he's approached by Krabby with a phone call from Ash, who is in the middle of nowhere, there's like nothing around him. Ash brags to the Professor about his new fourth badge before Oak immediately informs him that all of his other rivals, including Gary, already have their fifth badge, to Ash's ire. Oak also comments on the lack of Pokemon Ash has caught, telling him to catch more. It's just that easy, forehead. Oak also says that he and Krabby have been enjoying their time together, writing poetry with each other. 
Every day it's cake and tea, just my Pokemon and me. Like it? Uh, I don't know very much about poetry. Ash returns dejectedly to his friends, who are enjoying their favorite snack. Rice ball shaped donuts. That's right, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends, we've finally reached this classic scene. I know you've been waiting a long time for it, so let's play that line! These donuts are great! Jelly-filled are my favorite! Nothing beats a jelly-filled donut! Brock and Misty cheer him up and encourage him to reach the Pokemon League his own way. But he misinterprets their words to mean he needs more Pokemon. Suddenly, a Mankey appears from the tall grass and is given a rice ball donut by Pikachu. Remember, kids, don't feed the wildlife. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. As it's happily eating on a nearby rock, Ash immediately throws a Pokeball at it instead of battling. But the Mankey knocks it out of the air with the donut. It doesn't even hit him. Like, come on, Ash, at least have Pikachu shock it or something. It's, it's that easy. Just shock the monkey! The donut then is actually sucked inside the Pokeball instead of any Pokemon, which provides some really interesting food for thought on how these balls work. <laughs> you get it? But, but seriously, it's kind of weird that it like, sucks in the food, especially since Arceus revealed that it just triggers the latent ability for Pokemon to shrink themselves. Yeah, that was a lore dump in Arceus that like was just kind of glossed over, huh? Anyway, the Mankey, now enraged, begins to charge the group in anger. Brock tries to throw another donut at it, but it just bats it aside. It doesn't want any more jelly donuts. Misty trips, and just as the monkey's about to catch her, it instead jumps off her head and then lands on and starts brutally mauling Ash. Remember, there were like actual cases of monkeys attacking people, and it's vicious. It's horrible. But Ash is just fine. Don't worry, he's, he's fine. Kind of. He's just a little bruised, but he's fine. When it's finally had its fill of child murder, the Mankey flees up a nearby tree, stealing Ash's hat in the process. Team Rocket, once again watching from a rock in the distance, plans to steal Pikachu while Ash is distracted by the fighting-type Pokemon. Back on the ground level, Ash realizes that his hat was stolen and yells for it back. Mankey imitates Ash throwing a Pokeball and makes a funny noise that kind of reminds me of Doodle Bob from Spongebob. <laughs> See, that's Doodle Bob, right? He's like, Ash explains that the reason he's so insistent on getting that hat back is because he won it from the official Pokemon League Expo, having to send in millions of postcards to get it, and that it would be near impossible to get another one with the cutaway gag that kind of like shows the advertisement for the hat. I really like this. It's not often we get cutaway gags in this anime. And, like, it's such a funny, goofy one. It's like, buy this hat now, kids. And you, too, can be a great trainer. It's like when they advertised Pokemon toys to us. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting where it's like, that's right, five-year-old. Buy this Charizard action figure and you can be a cool trainer, too. Charizard and Blastoise also pop up each wearing the hat, which is kind of cute. I really like that. There's also a fun little typo that's not actually for kids' fault this time. On a Pokeball in the advertisement, it reads Pokemon Leg. That is um, P-O-C-K-E-M-O-N space L-E-A-G. It was actually spelled like that in Japanese, too. Like, that's not actually for kids' fault. And I think I read that um, 
The reason for it is because apparently there wasn't really a good English translation for the word pocket monsters yet, and that this was just kind of the best romanization that they could think of at the time. Ash climbs right up the tree and reaches for Mankey, before just getting beat right back down again. Team Rocket then just kind of leisurely walks over to the group, just a nice little mid-morning stroll over to them, and uh, shortly after that, Mankey also calmly walks over and then clings for a second onto each of the Rocket Trio. Just like hugs their face and then switches to the next one and switches to the next one. James, getting annoyed at the Mankey, kicks it into a bush. Initially a little bit worried about the Mankey's most likely intense anger, the main trio then turn their attention to Team Rocket, who give their motto. Ash then asks them to come back another time since he's upset, and Brock warns that Team Rocket is in for a beating pretty soon too. Everyone then turns their attention over to Mankey, who angrily evolves into Primeape. Initially frightened by it, Team Rocket then very quickly decides to just ignore it. It's not our problem, it's someone else's and send out their Pokemon instead to fight Ash. While they're turned away, Primeape just decks Jesse in the face, just full-fledged pounds her face, and it flings her into a rock. She just gets imprinted on this solid stone. The rest of the Rockets then fight Primeape to defend their honor, like hand-to-hand fisticuffs punching this Primeape. While Primeape is distracted, Misty and Brock try to drag Ash away, but he notices his hat on the ground and asks Pikachu to grab it. Unfortunately, Primeape sees this and grabs the hat before Pikachu can, having beaten Team Rocket to a pulp already. Pikachu attempts to zap it, but it really doesn't do anything. Brock theorizes that maybe the Primeape took the hat because it's lonely and just wants attention. So Brock goes over to bond with it but is immediately beat up viciously as well, completely disproving his theory. The Primeape then chases our heroes as they flee from the carnage, with Team Rocket recovering and chasing after them. There. They. Now. Looks like Team Rocket's blasting. Off. Once again. Being chased into a canyon area, Ash says that maybe they should split up to try and lose it. Too bad for him after the group splits, the Primeape charges right for Ash, completely undeterred by this tactic. Brock and Misty just kind of follow at a distance to see if he's okay. Meanwhile, Team Rocket, having somehow gotten ahead of the group, has quickly dug a hole in Ash's perceived path. Before they can climb out, Ash then runs right into them, causing them to all fall into the pit. In an attempt to prevent Pikachu from being stolen, Ash has him use Thundershock, electrocuting everyone in the hole, including Ash. What did you expect? Pikachu's on your head. You're like a perfect lightning rod right now. The Primeape sets its sights on Ash once again, but Ash, remembering Oak's words on catching more Pokemon, is now determined to defeat and capture the ape. He sends out Squirtle, who hits it with an ineffective water gun, and then Bulbasaur, who also gets it with an ineffective razor leaf. Then finally, Ash sends out Charmander, who uses an ineffective flamethrower, before getting absolutely bodied by this Primeape. Charmander, in a fit of rage, then begins to use rage. The one and only time this... The one and only time... The one and only time that it ever does this in the show. Despite the anime kind of making this, like, a big deal, just as Ash is about to have Charmander use one final flamethrower, Pikachu jumps in at the last second to save Ash's hat before Primeape is burnt to a crisp. Ash throws a Pokeball at the downed Pokemon, and the ball wiggles around before playing the capture ding, exciting Ash. 
it then starts wiggling again and plays the capture ding again for some reason. But this time for real, as Ash excitedly runs up to grab his new capture, replacing the empty slot in his party from Butterfree. Pikachu returns Ash's hat, and Team Rocket crawls out of the hole asking where Primeape is. Ash then smirks and is like, Wanna find out? Before tossing Primeape into the hole, who then demolishes and blasts off Team Rocket. Ash proudly says that Primeape is now fighting for him, before getting punched in the eye. A little bit later, the group finally reaches Celadon City, with all three of them confidently rushing towards their next battle. Team Rocket is then shown landing in an opening filled with angry Primeape, most likely dying to them as the episode closes. This is probably the most violent episode of Pokemon there is. Just everyone gets hit at least once. And once again, Ash forgets he has Pidgeotto! It has a type advantage against Primeape, but no! Instead you let Charmander nearly die to it. Let the bird out of its Pokeball, Ash! It's dying in there! Either way, it's an episode that's on the more enjoyable side, but it isn't one of my favorites. It has its ups and downs, but overall is not as great as some other episodes. It's not bad, it's just not, you know, one step above. Except for the Jelly Donut line, absolute classic. And also, apparently this is the first time that Team Rocket calls our protags twerps, so that's fun. Okay, next up we have... Episode 25. Pokemon Sensation. Synopsis. Arriving in Celadon City, Misty, Brock, and Pikachu enjoy one of its famous perfume stores. Ash, however, insults the perfume and gets banned from both the store and Celadon Gym, which produces it. Now, in order to get his gym badge, Ash has no choice but to take drastic measures, teaming up with Team Rocket. Finally reaching Celadon City, Brock, Misty, and Pikachu are suddenly enraptured by the smell of pleasant and famously renowned perfume, while Ash seems indifferent. Brock rushes off towards the shop that sells it, excited by the concept of the girls that wear said perfume. You know, about what you'd expect from Brock. Ash attempts to leave Brock behind and continue to the gym with Misty and Pikachu, but is shocked to see that they're both inside as well, also enjoying the smelly air spray. Ash bursts inside the store, insisting that Misty not waste her time and money with something so stupid. The store's manager, a woman in a kimono, walks out, insulted that Ash accused her of overcharging for poor perfume. Ash insists, no, no, I meant all perfume, adding that it just turns guys into zombies, pulling Brock up for an example. Because all they do is turn guys into zombies, like this. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? The manager then goes into a rant using perfume as an acronym before kicking Ash out of the store. P for pretty, E for elegant, R for radiant, F for fun, U for urbane, M for mysterious, E for energy, and that spells... Perfume! Right! Pika! He then makes his way over to Celadon Gym, but is stunned to find that he's not allowed inside, as the perfume he insulted is actually manufactured by the gym. After getting a big red X stamped onto his face, Ash is locked outside, not noticing that Team Rocket is running around behind him with a ladder, which they then use to break into the gym and steal the secret formula for the perfume. Arg, me secret formula, Gloom, me boy! Speaking of Gloom, the Rocket Trio come across one snoozing in an indoor garden, with James accidentally waking it up. He attempts to stop it with Coughing's poison, but Gloom happily absorbs it, releasing its own noxious scent in response, knocking the Rocket Trio out. 
Except Meowth, who doesn't have a nose. Meowth, you don't have a nose! Huh? My nose? What happened? The stink dissolved off my face! Huh? Oh. oh, yeah, I almost forgot! The cartoonist never gave me a nose! However, he is knocked out as well by Jim Staff, with the rockets being banned and hung from a tree. Not like in the death way, just the humiliation way, where it's like wrapped around their body, not not their neck. Don't don't think that. Ash walks by, sees them, and makes fun of them. Jesse, having seen him also get banned, schemes to involve him with their plan, agreeing to help him sneak into the gym if he lets them down. Ash, determined to win a badge and too proud to just go and apologize to the store owner, reluctantly agrees. Their plan involves dressing Ash up in a dress and makeup, having him put on a falsetto, which is actually really impressive to me because it's a woman VA pretending to be a young boy pretending to be a young girl. Ah, uh, that doesn't sound very ladylike. Huh? You'll give away your secret. Go on, try it. Try it. Uh, uh, uh. I'll show those meanies! <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know a lot of talent can do this, but it still just impresses me. Jesse and James also pretend to be Ash's parents, and James looks great. Jesse is just wearing a kimono. It, it looks nice, but eh. But James has Meowth stuck under his shirt to look fat and is wearing these, like, swirly nerd glasses and also has a bald cap with, like, a single string of hair on it. <laughs> he looks fantastic. Later that night, the Rockets bring Ash to the gym, enrolling their daughter in the gym training program. After getting that set up, Team Rocket runs off to steal the formula while Ash creates a distraction, with Meowth planning to use a bomb as well. While being shown around the gym, Ash comes across Misty, Brock, and Pikachu, who are listening to Erica read the story. Brock, thinking that Ash is just a shy little girl, tries to cheer her up. Misty then wonders why Gloom doesn't stink around the group, with Erica explaining that Gloom only uses its smell when it's stressed or in danger. She then goes on to recount how she met Gloom. When Erica was cornered by a Grimer as a young child, Gloom came to her rescue and the two bonded, with Erica becoming a grass trainer as a result. Misty laments that Ash didn't get a chance to hear that heartwarming story. But then Ash chimes in. I wish Ash could have heard that story. I heard it. <gasps> Everyone starts looking at Ash pretty suspiciously as he panics and is like, Oh, don't look at me. I'm just a shy little girl. <laughs> Please don't stare at me like that. I'm a very shy little girl. Misty wonders if they've met, and Pikachu, not having any of this, just zaps Ash into revealing himself. The ruse now failed. Ash challenges Erica to a battle. Elsewhere, Team Rocket opens up a vault, revealing the secret perfume formula. Which is actually just a bottle of perfume that they say they'll extract the formula from. Can't they do that with, like, any of the perfume? Regardless, they nab it. Back with Ash, Erica accepts his challenge, saying it's her duty under the Pokemon League rules. Which means that either A, she violated league rules by banning a trainer before they could challenge her, B, she violated her own gym rules by accepting a challenge from someone who was banned, or C, her gym trainers were acting on their own agenda without her knowledge. Either way, bit of a bad gym leader, huh, Erica? Ash, in order to show his superiority, starts with Bulbasaur, his own grass type. Erica responds by saying, this should be easy, and sending out Tangela. Bulbasaur tries to vine whip it, but Tangela uses Constrict to pull it closer, before hitting Bulbasaur with a stun spore. 
Erica offers to give Ash a paralyzed heal, but he angrily refuses her help. No, I can handle this by myself, Erica. Thank you very much. Next, Ash considers sending out Primeape, but then remembers that Primeape will probably kill everyone in the building and sends out Charmander instead. And Erica, once again saying, This should be easy, sends out Weeping Bell. It is not easy, as Weeping Bell's Razor Leaf is instantly burnt up, and it's then defeated by a solid Skull Bash to the face. Erica admits to Ash's skill, but says that he's lacking empathy for his Pokemon. Now, while admittedly Erica has only seen Ash insult her perfume and then refuse a paralyzed heal, Ash has proven to be nothing if not empathetic to his Pokemon. So, shut up, Erica! The Grass Leader then sends out her Gloom, which uses its vile smell to immediately knock out Charmander. Ash worries that none of his Pokemon will be able to take on Gloom's smell, but then Pikachu steps in and offers to fight for Ash despite the odor, confident that they'll win, which Ash happily accepts, hugging Pikachu. But before any of that heartwarming stuff can happen, Team Rocket shows up to give their motto. Because, you know, they had to gloat about stealing the perfume instead of just walking out with it. That's actually pretty in character for them. Okay, continue. They motto off and then Meowth sets off the bomb they planted, which explodes right behind them because he put it nearby so that they didn't lose it. As they blast off, they at least brag that they stole the perfume formula. The gym immediately catches completely on fire from this explosion, so all of the trainers scramble to evacuate themselves and the gym's Pokemon. Outside, everyone works together to put out the blaze, with Squirtle and Misty's Pokemon using their water attacks, and Brock's Geodude spreading dirt on the blaze. Pikachu also helps, using this little tiny water can to save a small little flower outside. And it's actually pretty adorable and I love it, but it's maybe not tonally fitting right now, Pikachu? Erica suddenly runs over towards the trainers, fearing that Gloom might still be inside. Misty holds Erica back from running in, but Ash rushes in to save it anyway. Ash eventually locates the Pokemon, but due to the stress of the situation, Gloom sprays out its scent, causing him to have trouble getting close. Eventually, Ash takes one deep breath and rushes in to help the stinky flower. However, just as Ash is trying to reassure it, he runs out of air and has no choice but to take a breath, and is then pleasantly surprised when he doesn't smell anything, realizing that Gloom trusts him enough to not be a threat. Taking this opportunity, Ash grabs the plant and escapes the blaze. In the morning, after the fire has been put out, Erica rewards Ash with the rainbow badge for his heroism. And while one could certainly argue that charging into a fire to rescue a helpless Pokemon is worthy of a badge, this makes four out of five badges that Ash technically didn't even earn. There's a reason people make fun of Ash's Gen 1 skills. Ash does lament that Team Rocket stole the perfume, but Erica reassures him that all they stole was just one ingredient. Essence of Gloom. We then see the Rocket Trio open the bottle, flail around, and fall dazed out of a construction pipe they were hiding in. Despite Meowth not actually having a nose, as was shown earlier. It's just like your plan! You said it! Ash, admiring his new badge, begins walking with his friends out of Celadon and towards their next destination, while the narrator makes a nose pun. And so, in the race for a rainbow badge, it's Ash by a nose! But most valuable of all, Ash has learned an important lesson. You can't judge a Pokémon by its smell. This episode's pretty enjoyable. I, I don't think it elevates itself 
to a really high standard. It's not one of the like top episodes of Pokemon, but it's goofy and fun and enjoyable all around. It, it elevates itself above mid-tier. It's like in between top tier and mid-tier. It's the, the high tier. I know cross-dressing and I know cross-dressing as a joke is a little bit taboo now in today's age, but I honestly would have loved to have seen Ash pretend to be Ashley for a bit more of the episode. Like, I would love to see him try to be like, oh, I don't know about Pokemon battling. Haha, <laughs> can I meet the gym leader to have her tell me? <laughs> like, you know, just more antics with him cross-dressing because that's not something that happens too often in the anime. It does happen again later, don't get me wrong. He does cross-dress again later. But I would love to see him, like, goof around a bit more in this episode. They set that up just to immediately get rid of it. What would have actually been even better is if they had him, like, have to pal around with Team Rocket as the parents for a little bit as they were led around the gym being like, oh, you gotta stick with your kid for a little bit while we get them orientated. And Team Rocket's like, when when do we get to escape? I don't want to be this kid's parent. So yeah, I, I think that could have made this episode top tier if they just focused on that a little bit more. But what we got wasn't that bad. It was a fine episode. A very enjoyable one. Okay, next on the docket is... Episode 27, Hypno's Nap Time. Synopsis. Arriving in a new town, Ash and his friends are concerned to hear that children have gone missing. They also learn that all of the Pokemon in the Pokemon Center seem to not be able to recover. Following clues, the group learns that it may be the unintentional actions of a psychic Pokemon. The main group, having just left Celadon, has already arrived in another city. Ash asks where they are, and Brock replies that they're in Hop 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 Town. Ash and Misty recreate the city's name by hopping to the side a couple of times, while Pikachu Armadillo rolls across the bottom of the screen. Suddenly, a woman runs over, screaming the name Arnold, and pulls Ash into her chest, relieved to have found him. Ash explains that he is, in fact, actually named Ash, and the woman apologizes, explaining that he looks just like her missing son, Arnold. Sitting down together, the woman explains that she hasn't seen her son for three days and has been looking for him the entire time. She also goes on to say that he's not the only one who's gone missing, and that several other children have vanished as well. She then points to a bunch of missing persons posters on the wall, and Misty just ignores the severity of the situation to say this. My picture's gonna be on posters when I'm a big famous star. Hmm. Huh. Huh? Excuse me! <laughs> Maybe in horror movies. Pikachu! An officer Jenny shows up to hang another poster, and as expected, Brock rushes over to hit on her. Ash, looking back over to the distressed woman they just met, muses that she reminds him of his own mom, reminiscing to clips from the Beauty and the Beach episode, which viewers of the dub never even saw. Ash elects to help look for the kids, along with his two friends. Officer Jenny says that the missing kids had no common link, but that other kids may know something, so they go to the Pokemon Center to ask around, with Brock harassing two six-year-olds. Have you seen this little boy before? I haven't. Yeah, I play with them all the time. When was the last time you saw him? I don't know. Uh-huh. You two had better answer all these questions truthfully. Okay. Now tell this beautiful young lady everything you know. <laughs> you do think she's beautiful, don't you? Come on, what do you say? Now you're getting in the way. 
They also ask Nurse Joy if she knows anything, but learn from her that the center is having its own problems. She leads them to the back, where all the Pokemon seem to be extremely lethargic, with a Magikarp that's lost its energy, and the Charmander whose flame looks like it could go out soon, among some others. There's also a Psyduck, who appears to be suffering from a massive headache. Joy elaborates that they started to behave like this about three days ago, the same time children began vanishing. Suddenly, Jenny begins receiving an alert on some kind of device she's carrying around. Is that your radio? Mm -mm. It's picking up something. I bet I know what that is, a handsome guy detector. Don't mm. kid yourself. Ugh. She explains that it's used to detect sleep waves, signals that cause sleep, which is something she's just been carrying around for no reason. The group then head off to locate the source. Elsewhere, Team Rocket is also looking for the source of the sleep waves. Not for any nefarious purpose, like putting people to sleep so they can easily steal their Pokemon. No, instead they want it so that they can make their boss take a nap, giving them a momentary break. Honestly, Mood, I'm on their side again. Our detective group eventually discover the signal to be coming from a tall skyscraper, specifically its roof. Reaching the top of the building, the group is stunned to find a large mansion and garden up there. Even though it's a couple decades early, it actually really reminds me of Lusamine's mansion in Sun and Moon. Just like, you know, this mansion on the roof of this giant building. It looks a lot like Lusamine's. It's kind of just a fun coincidence. They all sneak up to the door to confront the perpetrator inside, breaking it down. But are surprised to see that it's just a gathering of rich people. After hearing that the group was following sleep waves, the rich people explain that it must have been coming from their recently evolved Hypno, who they've been using to help with their insomnia instead of sleeping medication. <laughs> and this all happened to start about three days ago. The people in the mansion are actually all members of the Pokemon Lovers Club, and they all suffer from insomnia, probably because of the many war crimes they've committed to gain their money. And they never intended for their actions to have these harmful side effects. Typical rich people. Brock explains that the side effects are caused by waves that are supposed to be used on Pokemon being used on humans instead, affecting both Pokemon and children who may be more susceptible to it. Misty then tries Hypno's abilities for herself, being put into a trance and then suddenly thinking she's a seal, clapping and saying seal a bunch before running out of the mansion. Seal, 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 Misty, what's the matter? Misty's being controlled by the sleep wave. Gotta do something. I really want to know if they just had her record seal seal and then just like kept playing it over and over or if they actually had her dub over seal seal like every different clip. I think it's the former because it just like kind of sounds samey the whole time but I can't prove anything. Following her the group is led to the middle of the city park where they locate all of the missing kids each of them thinking that they're a different Pokemon as the result of the hypnotic signal. It's actually a pretty funny scene. There's like one kid screaming Bulbasaur at nothing. And then there's like also this one girl running around with her arms out just screaming "Wee!" <laughs> and there's like also this one girl just splashing around in a puddle thinking she's a magic carve. And like one kid somehow crawling down a tree on his stomach making Caterpie noises like this. Now take a moment to think about all this for a second. These kids all gathered in this one spot, somehow all knowing to go here, including Misty. 
you know, whatever. Weird hypnosis nonsense or something, okay? It's hand-wavable. But this is a public park in the middle of a city. No matter how big it is, it is inconceivable that not one person walked through this portion of the park or that not one single person who saw this group of like 13 unsupervised kids didn't also know that a large handful of kids went missing over the course of the last couple days or that the person is completely unfazed seeing this same group of 13 unwashed, unfed kids doing the exact same thing in this spot every day. Imagine Central Park. There must be at least one person walking through at some point over three days that meets the requirements to report this. But not a single person reports this to the police or finds these kids at all. Like, that is just not statistically possible. Anyway, Jesse tries to snap the kids out of their trance, but can't get through to them. The one rich gentleman that followed them suggests using the drowsy they also have to release opposite sleep waves to cancel out hypnos. Somehow, it's a kid's anime, who cares? They return to the mansion, once again leaving a large group of vulnerable children without supervision, to do a test run on Misty. Drowsy successfully reverses the hypnosis, and everyone prepares to help the kids back in the park. Leaving the mansion, Ash carrying the 71-pound Drowsy on his back instead of the trained adult policewoman's, Team Rocket then suddenly descends from the sky on gliders. They reveal their cunning plan. Hold a mirror in front of Hypno so that it hypnotizes itself. Despite their plan being thwarted by a simple refusal from the Pokemon, Jesse challenges Hypno's pride as a hypnotist, and it does it. This is known as the Team Rocket Mirror Mirror on the wall. Who's the sleepiest of them all? Dirty trick strategy. Just don't hypnotize me. Okay, do it. Despite Hypno's owner being right next to it, able to stop it at any time, and a trained on-duty police officer just standing there as well, Misty insists Ash do something, so he chucks a potted plant at the mirror, actually hitting it dead on and breaking it. Now that their first plan is foiled, the Rockets pull out grappling whip things, grabbing both Drowsy and Hypno in them. James wonders why they didn't start by doing this, and Jesse quips by saying that we had to fill half an hour. I'm not kidding, that's actually a line they say, it's pretty great. I don't get it, why didn't we do this from the beginning? We have to fill a half hour. While Ash keeps the Drowsy from being pulled away, and Hypno I guess is just not moving by itself, Misty has Staryu spin and break the lines grappling them. Ash then sends out Pidgeotto! <laughs> Finally, my main bird, you're alive! Oh, it's so good to see you again. The bird then uses Gust, blowing Team Rocket, still wearing their gliders, off into the air and far distance. The group then rushes Drowsy to the park, where all the kids are put to sleep, and then wake up back to normal. The children then run off on their own instead of being offered medical attention after spending three days and two nights alone outdoors. Or at the very least being safely escorted to their parents. Like, no one moves to stop them. They just let these six-year-olds run off to do whatever. Whatever, Jenny has proven herself to be completely incompetent time and time again. But ignore that, because all of the affected Pokemon are also cured, waking up again. Nurse Joy, however, is still concerned that Psyduck seems to be in distress. Brock offers to take a look at it, but immediately regrets it. 
Like, there is zero time that passes from him accepting it to him going, oh, no. The scene then cuts to the group speed walking away from the pursuing Psyduck, while Brock tries to dump it on Misty, since she knows water Pokemon better. Ash finally pulls out his Pokedex, which explains that Psyduck always has a headache. Hey, same here, bro. Misty angrily shouts at it for its chronic illness, but trips over the world's smallest pebble, dropping an empty Pokeball which rolls into and captures Psyduck. Okay. Ash half-heartedly congratulates her, and Misty bemoans her fate at having to look after a Pokemon she doesn't like. The narrator then also congratulates her, and she yells at him. And so, Misty effortlessly captures Psyduck, and the mysteries were all solved. Congratulations! Don't congratulate me! This is a really odd episode. Not in the context of the episode itself, it's actually a pretty decent episode, but in its legacy. While you occasionally get image sets of the girl pretending to be a magic car popping up every so often, that's it. I never see anyone else talk about or even remember this episode existed. It's almost like this one was erased from everyone's memories except for that one scene where the girl's a fish. And I say that not because no one really talks about it, but mostly because there are a ton of memeable moments that no one ever seems to use. Hypno hypnotizing itself because its pride was challenged, Team Rocket saying they have to fill half an hour, and even Psyduck's capture are just never mentioned or shown by these nostalgia-baiting Twitter accounts or whatever. But outside of that anomaly, this is an alright episode. It's not boring, but it's not the most engaging either. It does have a few points I found kind of funny though, intended or not, so that elevates it a step above some other episodes. It also begins the gag of unwanted Pokemon keeps leaving its Pokeball. While Psyduck starts this joke, it persists in many different forms over the course of the show, most notably with Wobbuffet. We'll see him one day. So get used to this gag, because we are going to see it a lot. Finally, on to our next episode. Episode 28, Pokemon Fashion Flash. Synopsis. Arriving at a Pokemon and human fashion capital, Brock rushes off to meet one of his idols. Meanwhile, Team Rocket gets into the fashion industry as well, drawing Misty into what may be an elaborate trap or may just be genuine passion for the art. At the request of Brock, the trio are walking down a place called Scissor Street. I could not tell you if that was the name of the city or the street. I... they never say. While wondering what he's looking for, Misty recalls that this area is a popular area for Pokemon breeders, and Brock must be doing research. Shortly afterwards, Misty sees a poster of a dressed-up coughing and Ekans, declaring them to be cute and demanding to see the salon they're advertising. They're led to the Salon Roquet, with none of their red flags going off. Inside, Team Rocket is just having a blast decorating a Raichu and Dotrio. And by that, I mean they just wildly slap on a bunch of makeup and jewelry. The Pokemon hate it, but the owner loves it. Meowth criticizes the two for spending too much money on advertisements, but Team Rocket defends their decision. While I think they later say that part of the plan was to scout out rare Pokemon, they've just fully embraced making this a profitable business that they enjoy running. Good for them. Just as Misty is about to step in line, Brock sees the shop he was looking for, seeming very nervous to enter. Inside is a female Pokemon breeder massaging a Chansey, whose owner shows up and I wish you could see them. 
They're as thin as a twig, holding up one arm flamboyantly while bending their fingers at weird angles, wearing a blue frilled jacket tied at the navel, gaudy makeup, and having spiked red hair with like a dash of green in it. Here's how they sound. Chansey, I've come for you, darling. Oh, don't you look precious? God, I wish they were a more important character. I want to see them more. Misty then notices a Vulpix resting on the plush chair, gushing over it and picking it up, completely ignoring the owner's warning not to touch it and getting flamethrowered in the face. Brock, completely flustered, introduces himself to the woman, a famous breeder named Susie, who Brock is a big fan of. And not just because she's of the female variety, but actually because he's also actually admired her work. Uh, my name's Brock. Nice to meet you, Susie. Uh, I want to breed like you. I mean, I, I want to be a breeder like you. Brock then humbly asks to become her pupil, but is declined due to her being busy. Ash then asks what the big deal is, with Brock grabbing a microphone out of nowhere and yelling at him, explaining that she's a big celebrity in the breeding world. He also elaborates that the Vulpix with her is award-winning. As the group later sits down to eat and bond, Susie and Brock are surprised and impressed when Vulpix eats Brock's custom food, saying that Vulpix never accepts food from someone other than Susie. Brock is overwhelmed with honor. Misty then inquires about the new salon that they passed by, with Susie saying that they're the ones that started this weird trend of making Pokemon as flashy as possible, disagreeing with the practice. Misty, however, defends it, saying that sometimes it's fun to dress up and show off a little. Also, a very fair point. Ash then immediately argues that it's a dumb waste of time, and the two start fighting over whether internal or external beauty is better. Ash ends the argument by challenging Misty to take Psyduck to the salon. Misty initially boasts about being successful, but then reveals that she has some doubts. Regardless, she storms off to be dressed up with her Pokemon. Susie then begins to wonder if maybe her more subtle message aren't actually correct, but Brock and Ash defend her honor. Brock decides that, to prove her technique, they just need to get more happy customers. It's just that easy, forehead. Actually, it kind of is. Like, remember the Beauty and the Beach episode? I'm going to keep bringing that one up for a while, but that episode, all they had to do was just, like, say, hey, we have Pokemon at this restaurant, and, like, everyone stormed there. So, clearly, it is just that easy. Any business Ash and his friends enter instantly becomes successful. It's just fact. It then instantly flashes forward, with the shop completely full, Brock giving the customers directions over a megaphone, and Susie instructing everyone how to properly tend to a Pokemon. Misty, meanwhile, is standing in line at Salon Roquet, as the people around her fade from existence, to her sudden panic. Very justifiable. The chancy person from earlier tells her that they all left to watch Susie's lecture. Inside Roque's place, after tormenting a Squirtle, Meowth is upset to see only one customer in line. Initially surprised to see Misty, and Misty not recognizing them despite their only disguise being a pair of glasses, the two then grab the young girl and start to dress her up as well. Misty actually really enjoys how they decorated her, and admittedly she doesn't look too terrible. Team Roque, thrilled that she enjoyed it, happily agreed to her request for more of the makeover, with them putting basically clown makeup on her. They're not trying to be mean, they just actually are trying their best, and you know what, I'm still proud of them. Meowth then angrily stops their fun, yelling that they should just grab Misty and extort her for info while they have the chance. Jesse and James then beat him up, exclaiming, we were going to, they just need to get her relaxed first. The three then burst out of their disguises in pretty funny poses, and James holds Misty hostage with a paintbrush, threatening to make her look like Frankenstein. 
Misty actually sounds like she's considering this for a second before yelling for Psyduck's help. Well, you better tell us where Pikachu is if you don't want your face painted like Frankenstein. <laughs> Do I want a face like Frankenstein's? No, I don't! Hey, Psyduck! Psyduck? However, Psyduck is already gone, having run off to warn Pikachu, who then brings the whole group to Salon Roquet. Upon running inside, Brock and Ash begin to laugh at a tied-up Misty's makeup before demanding her release. Susie lectures the Rocket Trio on the importance of inner beauty, and Jesse and James argue that it's outside beauty that matters more. Meowth then jumps in and loudly declares, It doesn't actually matter, you idiots! Because the salon was a scam in the first place. Telling everyone listening in outside that they just invented dumb fashion trends to make money from rich people and steal any rare Pokemon that came in. Great thing to tell in front of the crowd of Pokemon owners that you just serviced. Jesse offers Misty in exchange for Pikachu, but Ash demands a battle instead, with Brock offering to help. James pulls out a toy microphone, presses a button on it, and the building starts shaking and turns into a large stage. The duo, with Jesse dressed in the Napoleon-style military outfit and James in a pretty rich girl dress complete with a wig, give a fashion-themed motto. To protect the world from boring fashion. To dress all people with flash and passion. To give all Pokémon pretty faces. To extend our art to outer spaces. Jesse. James. Salon Roquet. When it comes to chic, we know what's right. Surrender your taste to prepare to fight. If what I read is correct, these outfits are actually based on the Rosa Versailles manga, which was uh, based on the French Revolution and was a pretty big manga back in the day. It might still be, I don't know what the current trends are, but I remember having to read it for a class once. Coughing and Ekans, still in their outfits, are sent out to fight, with Pikachu and Geodude being sent out to counter them. Geodude grabs Ekans and just flies up into the air using seismic toss and slamming it headfirst down. Ekans, before hitting the ground, grabs its own tail in its mouth and just starts spinning around really fast, using the toss to just slam right into Pikachu. It's a great fight scene. I love this already. Pikachu then zaps the two of them to no real effect for some reason, despite it being really effective before, and then Coffin counters with a sludge makeover, spinning around and making a funny noise as Pikachu and Geodude are blinded. As Team Rocket prepares to actually win this battle, the Pokemon's outfits tear and they trip. Getting up, the two Pokemon, joined by Meowth, are blocked by Vulpix. Susie gives another speech on inner beauty, and has Vulpix use Fire Spin on the rockets, blasting them off in a giant fire tornado. Misty worries that she's gonna get blasted too, but it stops pretty far away from her. Brock uses this opportunity to hype Susie up even more to the crowd, and Psyduck begins walking up to Misty, who yells at it for abandoning her and demands it untie her. Despite the flame not even coming close to reaching her, she's covered in cartoon soot. Susie thanks the group for giving her confidence in her abilities and convictions again. She especially praises Brock and admits that she still has her own things to learn, saying that she's closing shop temporarily to go out into the world and learn more, declaring Brock to be a friendly rival. Seeing how much Vulpix likes Brock, she asks him to look after it while she's away, which Brock happily accepts, taking the fox's Pokeball. Ash laughs at Misty's makeup one more time, and the three wave farewell to Susie as they head off once again. Not noticing Team Rocket being chased by an angry mob right behind them, the narrator sarcastically saying, So long, Salon Roquet. Honestly, I enjoy this episode a lot. It's a great amount of goofy. 
it's like just below top tier for me, I think. I can't put my finger on what would push it that last little bit to the top, though. Team Rocket is the clear highlight of the episode, and I was really happy every time they were on screen. But I actually think adding any more of them would have made the episode worse, actually. I think they appeared just the right amount to be enjoyable. In the scenes with Susie, while they're a little bit boring, I can't really think of a way to add to them, and adding any more of those scenes would just make it worse as well. So, honestly, I don't know. I think this episode is just fated to be a very good, but not fantastic episode. Every change I could think of would just make it a little bit worse. So, best thing I can do is just appreciate it as is, I guess. Alright, I'm back again. Uh, the same Ryan from the intro, and not the same Ryan from the episode you just heard. Hopefully that was good. I'll find out later, after I record this. So, we'll, we'll see. Yay! Regardless, thank you for listening to I Want to Watch the Very Best. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider subscribing and following and whatever they call it on whatever feature you're using to listen to this show. It would mean a lot to me. And, you know, also just tell your friends. Tell your friends about the funny little Pokemon guy doing the podcast about the episodes that keeps saying he'll get his friends to help him and then doesn't actually ask his friends to help him. <laughs> so I hope you have a great fantastic, incredible, extraordinary day, night, evening, midday, outside of space time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye.